welcome to Game Set Match Up, the podcast where we talk everything partnerships, the good, the bad and the ugly. Welcome to Game Set Match Up, the podcast where we discuss all things partnerships. I'm your host, Greg Watts, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Rona McGann. Uh, please welcome our guest today, James Courtney, the Maverick CEO, if I may say, and founder of Lawty Fintech Lux Rewards and Wellbeing Tech Business Life Wellbeing, which he started in the pandemic. James, hello and welcome. Hi, Greg. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's always, always a pleasure. Never a chore, as they say. First of all, I mean, I, I know you very well, but our, our listeners don't know you. So I guess the first set of questions are, who are you? What's your current role? And I must ask, because I know that our listeners will be keen to hear, what on earth made you decide to start a second business in the pandemic? All good questions, Greg. I'll start off with <laughs> the easiest one, which is my name. So I'm James Courtney, as you mentioned, founder and CEO of Lux Rewards. And recently through a merger with a wellbeing platform, uh, we've launched a kind of parent company called Life. What on earth made me start a business, especially a second one during the pandemic? Well, I think you've, you've got to have a good amount of uh, resilience over the past 12 months to, to keep everything afloat. Um, Lux, for those who don't know, is a premium reward scheme primarily focused on restaurants and bars. Um, so with hospitality being hit so hard over, over the multiple lockdowns, there were definitely a few pivots along the way. I was good friends with the founder of the wellbeing platform called Ash Day. Uh, we mess up during the during the pandemic to discuss our mutual situations and, and what we wanted and, and found that actually there was a, a really good opportunity there to partner up, not just in a commercial sense, but uh, actually to, to combine our, our two businesses together to come back stronger as, as lockdown was lifting. I know that Ronan's keen to ask you a question, but I, mu- I must ask you this. So with the restaurant tray hit so, so terribly, you know, what's your take on, on, on the future of hospitality? I really do think it will bounce back. I know there was a lot of talk, especially towards the start of the pandemic, where everyone was saying, was talking about the new normal and things will never be the same again. And I think the you know the landscape will change slightly. You know, maybe more working from home, for instance, and and other things like that. But what we've seen with hospitality during the reopening, both over last summer and more recently, April, May, and and now June, is that there's a lot of pent up demand and people are on mass going back to restaurants and bars, spending more, booking up. And yeah, a lot of the restaurants we're speaking to at the moment are, are fully booked pretty much every day. So yeah, I, I think hospitality will come back as it is and as strong as before. The only thing that I think might have a, a bit of a longer impact is the there seems to be a shortage of workers in the sector at the moment with lots of people returning home during the pandemic. So especially in London, there seems to be a bit of a shortage. But in terms of people wanting to go back into restaurants and bars, that's definitely back at pre-pandemic levels. I'm definitely, I'd love to hear your views on, on, on the lack of access to the talent in the workforce. And, and I can almost feel a Brexit question coming on in terms of, <laughs> but I think given, given that game set matchup is apolitical, perhaps we won't go there. But I know that, I know that Ronan's keen to ask you a yeah, question. I'll get us back on track. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Ronan. Um, so I'm interested, what initially drew you into doing what you're, what you're doing now? Yes, yeah, so I was actually a, a student at the University of Bath when I started up the business. But I'd had quite a few opportunities in the workplace as well. So I worked at IBM and PwC as a in kind of the management consulting divisions there, and it gave me a, 
a kind of taste of life of, of what it was like to earn a bit more money and also to have a, an expense budget to play with as well. During my student days where money would stay a little tighter, I was a frequent user of Taste Card, which is a discount scheme for casual dining venues predominantly. So I'd love to go in, get you know a half price pizza at lunchtime and drink tap water probably and for my sins <laughs> not tip very well. But then yeah, going into the and you know, loved it. But going into the business world, I realized that actually Taste Card wasn't a very good fit for kind of corporate professionals and and more affluent consumers. They wanted something that was a lot more discreet. They didn't want to have to kind of hand over a card or scan a receipt or do something clunky like that. And they wanted something seamless as well, you know, time sensitive people and, and wanted something that was a really kind of smooth process, not not a kind of five minute faff at the end, kind of handing over a card and getting the receipt reprinted and, and all of that. They also wanted higher quality restaurants and um, with a bit more of a high end. And they were very used to earning points for their reward points for their spend across hotels, airlines and credit cards. But what I found personally was actually my largest expense was on kind of food and beverage, eating and drinking out, either while staying away in hotels or, or whilst dining out with, with clients. So that's where I really spotted the opportunity, where I saw actually there's, a, there's an opportunity here for a premium alternative to discounting that not just helps these customers to seamlessly and discreetly earn value back for their spend, but also on the other side to help these higher quality restaurants to attract and retain specifically higher spending customers as well. I mean, your business really is a win-win for all those restaurants out there who, who to help them get back on track, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, my my inspiration is my father, who's ran seven businesses now. So he's a kind of serial entrepreneur. And one of the things that he always pushed quite strongly in his businesses, especially one of his most recent ones, which was digital marketing agency, was pay on results. He always felt that if you mm. could de-risk it and put you know, all the cost only based off if you provide value, then you'd be able to get lots more customers and they'd be happy to pay potentially a little bit more if it was at no risk to them. So he did that for kind of SEO and and pay-per-click, so digital marketing activities. And we've done exactly the same for Lux Rewards in this sense. So there's no kind of sign-up fees or monthly costs or marketing add-ons or anything like that. It's purely commission-based, well within a restaurant's kind of gross margins to be able to pay us a, a commission only if we bring them, you know, spend. And therefore it's in it's in our interest to promote them as much as possible to the right kind of high spending audience and to get those customers, to incentivize those customers to spend as much as possible and visit as frequently as possible. And so when yeah, when you set up a system like that where everyone everyone wins if uh, we bring them business, then it's really, really positive. Well we think what you're doing is amazing. We'll continue to, to advocate it. I must ask you this question. So given that you went from university to PwC and you, you pretty much, you dipped your toe in the water of corporate life, but then you, you pretty much became an entrepreneur from the get-go. What advice would you give to your younger self starting out? Perhaps the do's and the don'ts of entrepreneurship, if you like. Yeah. So I, first, I think university is a great time to begin testing out your ideas. So I've got no regrets about starting the business whilst at university. I actually did my second six-month placement I managed to persuade the university to allow me to start my business during during that time and managed to kind of get an MVP product out there and raise our first crowdfund during that time. So no regrets about starting at a young age at a time where, you know, you have the freedom and sometimes the time to kind of 
test out ideas. So that was, a, you know, a definite do. In terms of learnings, I would definitely get a co-founding team in from the start. In quite a few studies that have shown the likelihood of success increasing almost exponentially as you go from one to two to three founders, and then uh, pretty similar across three, four or five founders. And I've seen other startups do it really well where you've got that that committed team of founders with complementary but different skill sets. So I would, yeah, I would probably have at least two on the technical side in terms of co-founders and, and maybe one other with kind of complementary, maybe marketing or business skills fit around myself. So one learning would definitely be get a co-founding team around. The second would, would be spending longer before even launching the business, registering the company or anything like that, spending longer on the kind of testing period. We did, you know, I'd, I'd read the Lean Startup and other books that kind of preach this validated learning approach, but I would definitely spend a really kind of solid six months full time just on that validated learning. What we've done since then is essentially list out all of our assumptions, do a kind of impact and likelihood matrix on it and to prioritize and then one by one run sprints to go through each of those assumptions and prove out that we're correct or be really open-minded that we might have incorrect assumptions. And we wrote out about a hundred different assumptions across our business. You know, would restaurants pay 10% commission? Do restaurants currently struggle to do XYZ? Can we acquire users for less than five pounds a download? All of these different tests that we we would run. So that would be something that I would do before even starting the business if I was to do it again. Because I think once the once you start registering the company and hiring staff and having those kind of costs and raising investment, suddenly you get very, very busy. And there's a lot of pressure to kind of, you know, keep that growth curve on an upward trajectory rather than kind of like stop, think, test and do the really important but potentially not revenue generating tasks, which yeah, I would do right at the start if I was to do it again. That's great advice. I know that Renan's got another question for you. So I was wondering, having created partnerships for most of your career, what are your top tips, if you like, or the handbook of partnerships? Partnerships are definitely challenging. I think, especially for entrepreneurs, we're very optimistic people. Mm -hmm. And therefore, every conversation feels like a opportunity. And so I actually think one of the, the biggest learnings I've had in terms of partnerships is to actually be quite selective and quite focused, only really pursue partnerships if there's a good fit with what the kind of current aims of the business are, and then to try and formalize that partnership. So quite often I've seen, you know, you'll have two or three meetings, good conversations, you'll both kind of agree that it would be good to work together, that you, I might be able to introduce them to some people, they might be able to introduce me or something along those lines. But unless it's formalized, I haven't seen the best results. Quite often it slips. Quite often there's, you know, each party waits for the other to do their kind of goodwill gesture before the other and it, it can slip. So yeah, I think it partnerships can be absolutely invaluable. But yeah, I would definitely be selective about which ones to go for. And when you have been selective, really focus in the energy on that. Formalize it if you can, whether that's contractually or getting agreement over email about what the action should be. And I also think we're in business in general to, to make money. And so putting adequate in incentives there, making sure that 
you know, you can both generate more monetary results out of the partnership and making that really clear how you'll both benefit, I, I think is also really important to, yeah, to commercialize the relationship as well. And that's where I've seen the best results where both parties can see, okay, great, I can hit my targets, I can grow my business by doing this partnership in a really clear way and ideally formalizing that with a contract as well. I think the point that you're making there is that the partnership has to be equitable on both sides, equal, fair, balanced, where both parties get something out of it. And most, you know, whether it's just purely monetary, but also other things as well, that, mm-hmm. that, that really resonates. To, to round us off, I've got, I've got two last questions. It would be a miss of us, not to mention the pandemic. So looking at the last 18 months, and particularly with your, with your first business, Lux Rewards, Looking at the last 18 months, what, what things have you seen change when it comes to creating and nurturing business partnerships? Yeah, it's been very interesting. Obviously, the furlough scheme has been, I think, a real positive, but it has meant that a lot of the business contacts that, that I had, that we were very close to you know, signing agreements with and forming partnerships with, were suddenly out of office for a few months. So that was definitely a bit of a challenge at the start. But I think there has been a you know, people definitely seem to be more open-minded to partnerships through the pandemic. I think everyone was, you know, every business was disrupted in in some way. And there was definitely a sense of kind of coming together and seeing how we could, you know, help each other during these times. At Lux, we, we were able to kind of pause our focus on the restaurants and bars during during the lockdown, but it actually allowed us to reach out to a lot of financial institutions, membership organizations, reward schemes, airlines, and so forth to talk more broadly about our rewards offering and how we could provide them with merchant offers and technology and you know help them to engage their customers with rewards in that way. So actually, that was a real positive was that, yeah, although at, at first it seemed like a real negative that restaurants had shut down, it allowed us to yeah, investigate other partnership opportunities. And we had a really, really great response. So yeah, it's there's ups and downs, of course, but definitely feel like we're coming out of lockdown stronger. All we can say um, is congratulations, particularly with, with Lux, given the challenges that you face, but you've come out of it in a much stronger position. It's quite, quite remarkable having observed what, what you've achieved. We've got, we've got one truly final question. So you know, in your, in your view, what does the future hold for businesses when it comes to creating partnerships with each other? And what, if anything, will you and your businesses be doing differently? Yeah, coming out of the, the pandemic, I think the world is opening back up. There's definitely more optimism around. And I'm really excited to be forming more partnerships over, over the coming months. Me and my team will be working hard to identify partnerships that are really valuable and can have a good fit. So we'll, we'll be proactive but also selective. And as we discussed before, Greg, I think we'll try and commercialize those relationships so it's equitable and there's real tangible benefits for both sides. So yeah, really optimistic about this year. And as the business grows, I'm sure there'll be more and more partnerships that we can we can achieve together. James, you continue to inspire us. Well, look, James Courtney, founder and CEO of Lux Rewards and Life Wellbeing, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining this week's Game Set Matchup. Tune in to hear more about the need to knows and the do's and don'ts when it comes to creating successful business partnerships.
Thank you.